You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So when you got out of bed this morning, did you, uh, did you happen to pass by the mirror in your bedroom, or did you glance into the mirror in your bathroom? Do you remember what you saw? Was it scary? Are you trying hard to forget what you saw this morning when you first got out of bed? The Bible says don't merely listen to the Word of God, but do what it says. And then it gives us illustration in the book of James. It says a person who looks at the Word of God but does not do what it says is like somebody who looks in a mirror. But when they walk away, they immediately forget what they look like. And then the application is this. When you hear the Word of God or when you read the Word of God, don't just get up and walk away and forget what it says. Do what it says. In the month of July, we've been in a series together called Text. Text, uh, it's a word uh, that is had its meaning changed really in my lifetime. Today, when I, when I hear the word text, I probably think first about an application on my phone where I type brief messages back and forth with people. But, but historically, the word text we have used in the English language is something that would refer to the, the original print of something written. And so as a, as a young boy growing up in a small Kentucky town, I would, I would go to church on Sunday morning and the preacher would would stand up to preach and he would open his Bible and he would say, um, this morning my text is from Genesis or Matthew or wherever. And so what we've done over the last month is we've been talking about the Word of God. And I've had lots of encouragement from you as we've talked about the Word of God. I've had people say to me, Rick, I'm reading the Word of God more in the month of July than I've ever read the Word of God in my life. And that excites me. And some of you have said, Rick, keep preaching what you're preaching because we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And some of you have said to me, I believe the Bible is truth. And so while I'm really thankful that we're reading the Word of God together, and while I'm thankful that you believe that the Word of God, the Bible rather is the Word of God, and while I'm thankful that you believe the Bible is truth, that's, that's not really what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. What I really wanted to do was focus more on application today. And so I just kind of came with a simple question to ask you. Do you do what the Bible says? Have you surrendered your life to the Word of God? Have you surrendered your life To what God has stated are His desires and dreams for you. Is the Bible the authority for your life? I want to take you this morning to the book of Hebrews. So you can open the Bible that you brought with you. Or if you didn't bring one with you, you might grab one out of the rack in front of you. And, and turn to the book of Hebrews. If you're kind of new to carrying a Bible, go all the way to Revelation and then just back up five or six pages. And you'll be in the book of Hebrews, okay? We're going to be in chapter 4. 
Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm only going to read a couple of verses, although in the time that we spend together, I'm going to talk to you about the entire chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews, okay? But we'll only read verses 12 and 13. So let's get the words on the screen for you as well. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. The Hebrew writer says, for the word of God is living and active. And so just by the structure of the sentence, you realize we're in a conversation. In fact, the conversation is the entire chapter. So we're just kind of coming in and landing at one particular point. So we'll pick all of that up. For the word of God is living and active. I love it. I love it when I read these words. The word of God is living. I get up in the morning and open the Bible and I begin to read. And God speaks to me from his word about what's going on in my life today. The the word of God is alive. It's living. It is active. Really what that means, and sometimes translated powerful, would be that it is uh, searching the hearts of men. It's convicting the hearts of men. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts right through. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And so I, I stand here before you and you would say, well, Rick's bones are obviously okay. His joints are good. We don't know what's happening in the marrow of my bones. You can't see that. But the Word of God cuts right through. It goes to the very heart. In fact, here's how he says it. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And if you're really struggling to get it, just read the next sentence. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. The Word of God cuts right through. It gets to the heart of who you are and who I am. It reveals what's in our hearts. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. So is that last phrase, to whom we must give account, is that, is that a statement about judgment? Is that a statement about when we leave this world one day, is it about what happens when this life ends? There was a family in the church that I pastored in Cincinnati, and we loved them a great deal. We, we were very concerned for them because they had a teenage son whose life was just spiraling out of control. It, it felt like he didn't have the ability to make a good choice. It seemed like he didn't want to make a good choice. And we were all struggling with what he was doing because he was making decisions that he was going to suffer the consequences for. He was affecting his future. And we were all concerned about his soul and the choices that he was making, the choices that he was making was going to have eternal consequences. And so I remember one day I was playing golf with his dad. And we were sitting in a cart and we were waiting for some other guys over here to hit. And we were talking about what they were dealing with and all the trouble that he was in. And I began to talk to him about the load that they were carrying as a family. I said, man, you guys are are carrying a heavy load. And and I remember saying to him, I said, I I can imagine there are times when, when it's really heavy on your mind. And I remember what I felt. And I felt it here. I remember what I felt when he responded to me. Because when he looked at me, he says, Rick, I am consumed by this whole thing. 
Tears form in his eyes and he says, I, I, I think there's days when I think about nothing else. When, when my phone rings, he said, I, I, get, I get a sick feeling in my stomach. I, I know I need to and I try to focus on work, but it's, it's so hard to focus on work. It's not one of those things where it lays heavy on my mind at times. I'm, I'm consumed with it. And I, and I don't think sitting in the room, you have to be a father this morning to understand that. In fact, I don't know that there's anybody in the room who doesn't get it. You understand that a dad wants the best for his son. You understand that a, that a Christian father and a Christian mom says all we want for our kids is that they love God and they honor Him with their lives. We don't want them to suffer the consequences of sin. We don't want them to pay a high price. We just want to see their lives go well. We want God's best for their lives. I mean, when I think about my girls, it's really simple. I just want God's best for my girls. I want my girls to honor God. I want them to serve Him. I want them to surrender their lives to the Word of God. And so as you understand that, You can understand that what is happening in Hebrews chapter 4 is that he is reflecting on an entire generation of a nation who does not receive God's best for their lives. I'm talking about an entire generation, over 600,000 men, not counting women and children. Oh, an entire generation does not receive what God had planned for a generation, for their lives, for their future. And so let me, let me kind of tell you that story, okay? I'm, I'll, I'll just kind of sum it up. You can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 1, but let me, let me just give you the story in a nutshell. You remember, you remember a guy named Abraham, right? You remember what God promises Abraham? I'm going to make you into a great what? Nation. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I'm going to give you a land. God promises Abraham, I will give your descendants a land. And so in his old age, he gives him a son. Do you remember what his name was? It was Isaac. And then God gives Isaac's sons. One of Isaac's sons was named Jacob. And one night an angel said to Jacob, Jacob, you will no longer be called Jacob. From now on you will be called Israel. And so all of his descendants of Jacob, Abraham's grandfather, all of his descendants were called the people of Israel. You might remember the people of Israel end up in Egypt. They end up there because there's a famine in the land. And one of Jacob's sons, Joseph, becomes second in command to Pharaoh. Come, I'll take care of you. I'll feed you. And they stayed in Egypt for a long time. They stayed there, in fact, 430 years. About 200 years into it, the Egyptians looked around and said, Look at how the Israelites are multiplying. One of these days, there's going to be more Israelites than our Egyptians. What are we going to do? They're going to rule over us. We better make them our slaves. And for over a couple of hundred years, the Israelites lived a hard life in Egypt. They were slaves. They were beaten with whips. They were forced to work hard labor. And God raises up a man whose name is Moses. And he uses Moses as an instrument and he frees the Israelites from Egyptian bondage and slavery. So now focus with me for a minute. In their freedom, they were at a place called Horeb. 
And God says to Moses, it's time for you to take possession of the land that I promised Abraham that his descendants would have. And so get up and go take the land. So they come to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And at Kadesh Barnea, before they entered the land, they said to Moses, maybe, maybe we should send spies into the land. Maybe they could go in and check things out and come back and tell us what route we should take and where the towns are. Sounded like a good idea to Moses. And so they sent spies into the land. The spies came back and said, it is a good land that God is giving us. But they also said their people are taller and stronger and their cities are large and some of their walls reach to the sky. And the people of Israel began to rebel and said, we're not going in. What happens if they destroy us? Moses says, no, no, no. They're not going to destroy you. I promise you. God told you. He's going to fight for you. He's going to give you the land. He will put it into your hands. But the people rebelled. And you know what God says? Then not one person from this evil generation will enter the land I promised them. Because they have rebelled and not obeyed my word. It's a sad story. So they didn't go in? Nope. They didn't go in. Well, well what did they do? Uh, they wandered around in the desert for a long, long time, many years. Until what? Until all of that generation died. Because they didn't honor the Word of God? Right. They never received God's best, God's dreams, God's desires? Nope. They died. It was their children who went into the land. And their grandchildren. You understand the urgency of this. It wasn't the word of Moses they disobeyed. It was the word of God. And so I think a legitimate question would be for somebody listening to the story who comes to church in 2013 on a Sunday morning in July would say, Well, Rick, if God spoke through Moses to them, how does God speak to us today? Well, God speaks to us obviously in many ways. He speaks to us through His Spirit. Jesus said that His Spirit would guide us and His Spirit would lead us. He speaks through us sometimes through other people. But the most objective way that God speaks to us is through His Word. So what happens when God speaks to us through His Word? I remember when I was at seminary, I was in a preaching class and we had a professor who was an adjunct. He actually pastored a church in the Kansas City area. And he was a likable guy. And I remember one day he told us this story. He says, uh, he says I, was, uh, 
I was in this phase of my life where I was trying to understand what God's will for our church was. And he said, all my pastor friends were going on these spiritual retreats. It was kind of the, the thing to do. And, and you would go away and you would pray for a week or so. And, and God would give you a five-year plan for your church. And you would come back and, and you would kind of lay out the plan to everybody. He said, so I decided I probably should go get the plan. Since all my pastor friends were getting the plan. And so I went out on this spiritual retreat. I went to a place where there was nobody around. And he said, I prayed. And the next day I prayed more. And the next day I prayed some more. And I wasn't getting any plan. He said, in fact, I came home without a plan. But he said, I remember one day when I went out into a wooded area with my Bible. And I found me a place to sit down and open the Word of God and begin to read. And as I began to read, I began to see myself for who I really was. And I didn't like what I was seeing. And I found myself there in the presence of a holy God. And seeing him in all of his holiness and seeing myself for who I was. And I didn't like what I was seeing. He said, I began to cry. And I began to feel shame. And I began to feel so much shame that I could not lift my head because I felt like I could not face God. He said, it was a turning point in my life and my ministry. But it was because God showed me what I had become. And so when the Hebrew writer writes about the Bible and about these people who were disobedient to the Word of God, he says, let me just remind you what happens when you open yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and the Word of God is active. And the Word of God is sharp like a two-edged sword and it cuts right through soul and spirit joint and marrow. If you don't understand what he's saying, he makes it very clear in the next line. And he begins to talk about how he goes to the very heart. It's not who we appear to be, but we begin to see ourselves for who we really are. He judges the attitudes and thoughts of a man's heart. And then he says, everything is laid bare before God. So Rick, What does that look like in everyday life? Here's what I think it looks like in everyday life. I think you get up in the morning and you have this image of yourself. And sometimes we do this awful thing of comparing ourselves to other people. Okay, I may not be walking with God as closely as I could, but I'm not as bad as that guy. I mean, that guy needs to really clean up his act. And sometimes we project those images to others. I want you to see me in this light. We get up in the morning and we open the Bible and we begin to read or we come to church and we listen to the sermon and all of a sudden it happened. God's word cut right through to the core of who we are and we see ourselves for who we really are. Here's what happens when we open our lives to the word of God. He reveals what is in our hearts. And we find ourselves 
at our own Kadesh Barnea. And now we have to choose. Since God has made his word plain to me and he has shown me who I am, do I follow the path of God or do I create my own path? Do I obey the word of God and surrender to him or do I create my own path? See, I, I got a feeling there's a lot of people looking at me saying, Rick, I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe the Bible is truth. But what I'm asking you this morning is really much more simple. Do you do what the Bible says? Have you surrendered yourself to the word of God? I went to a, to a funeral home yesterday. There's a guy who, who lives just really in the shadow of the steeple of our church who passed away. His son pastors a church near us. I went to see this guy with Tim Brown on Monday. He was sitting up on the side of his bed. He was, he was actually having therapy and the therapist was very nice and said, Oh, it's okay, Pastor. You can pray if you want. And so I prayed for Mr. Lyles, and then after I prayed, I told them goodbye, and I walked out of the room. And I got home, and I, and I was sitting there eating dinner with Morgan and, and, with, and with Annette. And, and while I'm eating dinner, I get a text from Pastor Lewis that says Mr. Lyles just died. And I thought, no way, he was just sitting up on the side of his bed. How did he just die? And so I called Jeff, his son, on the phone, and we started talking. So somewhere in the conversation, Jeff says to me, Rick, I want you to know my dad was a, was a Christian. My, my dad loved the Lord. I said, Jeff, I'm, I'm glad your dad was a Christian. I'm glad your dad loved the Lord. Why, why did you guys go there in the conversation? Because it's the important stuff. Because it has a lot to do with the last phrase I read to you a moment ago, verse 13. Because verse 13 says... One day you will all have to give an account to God. I, I will stand before God one day and, and I will give an account of what I did in this life. And I will talk to God about whether or not I surrendered to the authority of His Word. So, so Rick, you're saying that's the why. Uh, that's why I surrender my life to His Word. That's why I live like that. That's why I should do that. Well, that's, that's reality. But I can think of other reasons. Because I wonder if anybody's looking at me this morning saying, Rick, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of trying to captain my own ship and messing it up. I'm, I'm tired of, of living with the guilt of sin. I'm, I'm tired of suffering the consequences of sin. I'm tired of not feeling this rightness with God. I'm tired of not laying my head on my pillow at night knowing that if something happened to me in the night, I would be with the Lord. I'm just tired. And so the Hebrew writer talks in all of that chapter about this rest that God has for His people. I would like to rest. <laughs> How do you find that rest? Rest. 
You find rest by simply surrendering. That's it. Just quit. <laughs> just quit trying to captain your own ship. Just quit. Just quit trying to do it. Just quit. Just surrender. Just surrender your life to the Word of God and to what God has already stated is His are His desires and, and dreams for you. Just surrender. And, and now it's not just a matter of me saying, I believe the Bible's the Word of God, but I do what the Word of God says. We have an enemy, and he's probably working on you right now, saying you can't do it, you can't achieve it, you'll never make it, you can't live that life, you'll blow it, you'll mess up, you'll goof. If you read the last of chapter 4, you get into this great language about we have this great high priest who is Jesus. And Jesus understands your struggles. He's been tempted like you've been tempted. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. So since he's there for you and he's praying for you and he's talking to the Father on your behalf, why don't you just go ahead and approach the throne of God with confidence and you can receive mercy and find help in your time of need. You're just not by yourself in this thing. You have Jesus. And no, you can't do it. And yes, you will blow it. And you will make a mess of it. But you have a helper. And in His power, you can do all things. So don't just listen to the Word of God and walk away and forget what it says. Apply it to your life. And do what the Word of God says to do. Amen? Amen. You want to stand with me? So, I'm just going to be a little bit forward with you this morning. And I'm just going to challenge you a little bit because I wonder if I'm talking to a few people who say, Rick, I'm as quick as anybody that says, I believe the Word of God is truth. And I believe the Bible is God's word for us today, but I don't live my life doing what it says. And I need desperately to surrender my life to God. And so we're going to sing before we go. And as we begin to sing, if you want to come here and pray, you're welcome to come here and pray. You don't have to come here and pray. But there are times when it is good to take a step and to say to the Father and to say to family members and to say to church friends, I'm making a big decision today. I'm making a commitment today about my journey with God. And so if you want to come in a moment when we sing, feel free to come. Also, I would just like to say to you that um, I'm aware of some families who have been down some tough roads this week. And I love just saying to you on Sunday mornings, if you want to come and pray, or even as an individual, if you just have been going through some hard times and, and you know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and you can approach the throne of God and receive mercy and find grace in your time of need, feel free this morning to find the altar is just a friendly, warm place to have a conversation with the Father. 
And this morning, if you would like to be prayed for, for physical healing, there'll be pastors here and they'll be just kind of facing you, waiting for you to come. And if you want to be prayed for and anointed with oil, as the scripture gives us the opportunity to do, you can come and somebody will come and just lay a drop of oil on your head and they will pray for you. But this morning also, if you say, Rick, I, I am not a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not living a Christian life. And I come here week after week and I hear you guys talk. And I want to become a Christian today. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I want to invite him into my life and heart. And you can come today. If you want to just find a pastor who will be here waiting for you, just say, would you pray with me? So let's sing. And if you want to come, feel free to come. today. We're going to continue to pray and we're going to sing for a while. Feel free to go as you need to go. If you want to hang around, feel free to do that. God bless you. Have a good day. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.